talking about video games. Yeah! Hello and welcome back to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick Shanley. Joining me is my friends and... Are we are we all co-hosts now? That's that's the question. We're in a nebulous stage here. Uh, regardless, Colin Kodega and Edmund Arnold, welcome. Hi, hey, how's it going? How are you guys? I'm all right. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Uh, thanks thanks for having me on again, guys. Uh, it was a blast uh, being on last week. We love welcome you, Colin. back. All right, so this week was another big week in gaming. Sort of like one of those year end type of weeks in gaming. We had the uh, Game Awards, and we also had uh, PSX, which is a PlayStation convention. Let's uh, start off with the Game Awards and pretty much what I was expecting from them in terms of its winners. I'm not sure if anyone stands out as a big upset or a, um, a snub to either of you guys. Can you talk about the experience before we get into that? Oh, sure. As a big-time Hollywood reporter, I don't know. Big what, Shot Patrick. Big Shot Patrick. Big Shot P. Shan in the house. I like that How nickname. Did- and I think it should stick. Uh, it was fun. If anybody doesn't know, I was able to attend the uh, awards this year. Um, it was fun. I've never been to one before. It is... It's a weird event, man. It's big, and it feels small at the same time. I don't know how else to go. I think they're trying to make it like the Oscars of video games. I think they even, like, they sell themselves as that, as the Oscars of video games. At the same time, it was sort of like a... It had a loose feel to it if I can describe it that way. Not that it was poorly produced, it was well produced, it just kind of had like a relaxed feel to it. Uh, There were people getting up and out of their seats a lot, there were a lot of conversations while people were presenting. It was a a very relaxed feeling, not quite like other Hollywood events that I've been to. Interesting, and and from what I've heard too, I hear uh, Jeff Keighley, like, it's pretty much his baby, like, he puts everything into it, and it's interesting seeing someone who kind of produces and hosts, so I, I feel like that maybe contributes to the loose environment. He is a pretty fascinating man because he used to be on, he started it in 2002, 2003 for Spike, the old defunct uh, television show. And then that show or that network went belly up and he continued doing this just on his own. I mean, you got to commend him for that. Yeah, I mean, he got it. He uh, he got a ton of game exclusive previews. Um, it seems like he just works on this year round, and it's uh, it's pretty impressive to see what it was with Spike, where he had that support of an actual like national cable network, right. and what he was able to do with the scale right now. And they had you know in game like if you watched on Twitch or Mixer, you got like you know in game content just for watching. So it was a pretty interesting dynamic this year. There were yeah, but it was boring. It was so boring. And my thing is, is like, if you're going to be a video game awards and you're going to set yourself up as this big thing that's going to be better than the Oscars or like do something different, like you're following the same formulas as all awards shows. And I was bored. Sure. Bored. What are they supposed to do, though? I mean, they had star power. They had people there. There were funny moments. There was a crazy moment where a, uh, a game developer went off on a tirade. Uh... There was a musical performance by Phoenix, the hottest band of 2011. <laughs> what else do you want? I something I don't know different. I don't. I can't because I, I don't know. I've been watching award shows my entire life, Golden Globes, Oscars, and they all follow the same formula. Right. So you would think this show that's touting itself as like this something that's different, something that's new and fresh. Maybe they would do it something outside. I don't. I just don't know what you would do. But it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And it, it just, I don't know. It was just boring. Like we got some good reveals. It was okay, but it was just like any other awards show I'm going to watch. Uh, do you guys look forward to it every year? Is this something that like you're looking forward to? You like the Game Awards? Uh, 
are you people, I mean, you obviously you both watched it. Uh, is this something that you enjoy watching? You know, I, um, I had a good time watching it, but unlike Edmund, you know, I don't typically watch a lot of award shows. I actually kind of, I'm not invested in them at all. So it, I, I enjoyed it. I also was scrolling through Twitter the whole time, and I was really there for the uh, exclusives. I was kind of interested in some of the awards. It wasn't, you know, too big of a deal for me because I really think a lot of these awards you could give it to either any of them on the list or maybe like half of them. So I wasn't really taken aback by anything announced. And I think I'm speaking in terms of like reactions to Twitter where everyone was like, oh, this is such a good award show. And mind you, it was the best one that they put on so far. It seemed like it was a much more polished. It was smooth. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. it, went, it ran beautifully. There were no hiccups or anything like that from my end. So I have to like hats off in that regard, but still, it's just just the reactions. The F the Oscars guy comes on. I don't even know what that's about, and I'm not here. I'm not an Oscars fanboy or anything like that. I hate the Oscars as well, but it's like I, I just didn't get it. And everyone and he was touting it like, oh, this award show is so much better than the Oscars, but it really wasn't. Why, why are they even comparing themselves to the Oscars? What do the Oscars have anything to do with the Game Awards? They're completely different industries. What is the purpose of comparing them? They're both in Hollywood? I, I guess, but then not really. I mean, video games aren't Hollywood. Yeah, true. Very true. I, I, th I think there's like a natural tendency for gamers, though. There, there's some complex where they're just so defensive, and I feel like the Oscars are just the most well-known award show, so automatically um, people are going to have that chip on their shoulder if you're a hardcore gamer. I'm not saying everyone, but um, it seems like a high majority of uh, gamers... Are, feel like games and people who enjoy games are disrespected, and so they're like, hey, until we're treated as seriously as the Oscars, we're going to continue to complain, say people don't give us the light of day, and it's, I don't know, it's, a, it's an interesting complex with gamers. I know you both have uh, gone into this before in the past on yeah. uh, other episodes. Well, I mean, sure, there is that, for sure. Like, it doesn't have the prestige that Oscars have, obviously. But you also have to factor in, look, the Oscars have existed for twice as long as video games. Video games themselves have even existed. <laughs> <laughs> the Oscars, it's almost the 90th Oscars. Video games, like, very loosely have been around since maybe the late 70s. Yeah, absolutely. So do something that's different. Don't bring a symphony. And I love, I'm not, you know, I'm not bashing that orchestra because I thought they did a really good well. And yeah, great. They did a really good job. And I'm one of those people that likes seeing video game music performed in that type of symphony style. So, mm -hmm. I, But still, just do something different. Make it more relaxed. Make it something similar to like the MTV Awards. or I don't know. Just don't... That call out to all the Oscars really... It, I, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And then the reaction to Twitter, like everyone's like, Yeah, F the Oscars. This guy has something. Ha ha ha. He's a hero. I was like, he's not. <laughs> I, I just... Drunk. Uh, yeah, I just truly... Yeah, I think you... He seemed a little drunk. Uh, I, I just truly do not understand that parallel. Like, why even draw that comparison in the first place? Uh, one moment that I did like, here's my, here's my takeaways. Here's my top three. I really like okay. that they, um, they gave that special award to the female game designer who worked on Atari games back in the, in the 70s or early 80s. That was special. It was cool to see her get up and do it. I really thought Zachary Levi's dig at microtransactions was hilarious. And I like Zachary Levi. He's also looking very shazam -y right now. He's getting a lot bigger. Uh, that was it. Yeah. And then the F the Oscars guy, I mean, you got to, that was amazing. That was, whether whether it rubbed you the wrong way or you were like, yeah, screw the Oscars, it was still hilarious to watch that guy do that. It was good TV, yeah. It's classic entertainment. I'll give you that. It was, it was good TV. But other than that, like, the awards themselves, like, every category, I had no complaints. I feel like they got it spot on. Mario Odyssey kind of got screwed, but other than that, I feel like they got it right on. It's just a hard year for Mario Odyssey, you know? It's, it's hard to supplant Zelda. 
It, you can't make a game like that and then not expect to get all the accolades for it, right? I mean, could uh, I haven't played I haven't played Mario and I haven't played Zelda, but from what I've seen, Zelda it has to it had to be game of the year, right? Yeah, I mean, I I struggle on this one because I absolutely adore and like love both of those games. I I consider it a coin flip, but also I want to say I think that the fact that Super Mario Odyssey is a little fresher in my mind. Uh, why I think it may be a coin flip. I would like to think about this question maybe in two, three, four years, and the more and more I think about it, I really do think Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild is going to be that masterpiece that people are talking about for forever, is being one of the all-time greatest video games. Also, it could be a case for Super Mario Odyssey, but there's just something special about Breath of the Wild where mm -hmm. it really, I feel like it did something completely different. Breath of the Wild basically drops you into a world and doesn't tell you anything at all and it's drifts away so far from the zelda formula but still feels so zelda that it was something that it was remarkable to me and i as much as i love super mario odyssey this is not a bash on super mario odyssey i felt like i had played it before with super mario 64 and i think the reason i love super mario odyssey so much is because it reminded me of that nintendo 64 era mm -hmm. and i felt really happy and it, yeah the hat trick and everything was different it felt new but man, Zelda Breath of the Wild, what they did with the shrines, what they did with the basically narrative of that game, was something remarkable. I've never played anything like that before. Much like life after college, it just drops you in there with no guide map at all. You just have to figure it out for yourself. Absolutely, that's a very good comparison. Thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah. Very good comparison. It's very true, and I went back to Reno, and it was really cold uh, in the fall, which, I mean, you're you're dropped into a really cold place in the beginning of Breath of the Wild, so it's, it's dead on. That's a good call, Patrick. Oh my god, dude, you're Link, basically. I am Link? Wow, this is a realization on here. Um, I don't think I can uh, help with co-hosting anymore, guys. I'm going to go out and uh, adventure, so I'll see you later. Smash pots in everybody's house. <laughs> Chase chickens, it sounds great. Yeah, it's a good life. Uh, what are was... rupees going for these days? Is it about the same rate as a Bitcoin or what? It's actually the opposite of Bitcoin. Uh, rupees are actually just a piece of paper. It's basically real money. Okay, but, got you. It's not backed up by like a gold standard or anything. The Hyrulean Bank, they're really in debt. It's, it's out of shape. Yeah, they're a little bit of the old world. You know, they need to get with the times, go online. We need to make Hyrule great again. That's I've been saying it for years. <laughs> That is such a lame joke. I'm not uh, you're, such, to you're such a Ganondorf supporter. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt you're the first person to make a parallel between Donald Trump and Ganondorf, but uh, or the last. Now we turn heavily into politics. Uh, <laughs> another big winner of the night, other than Zelda: Breath of the Wild, was Cuphead, which made me excited because I like Cuphead, uh, and we've been talking about it a lot on the podcast. Uh, let's. Let me give you guys a taste of what it's like to be on a, the hell that is a red carpet. I don't know if you've ever been on a red carpet before. They're awful. They're awful if you're working them. I don't know how awful it must be if you're one of the actors or one of the people who are on the red carpet who have to do the interviews. They are a madhouse. It's just tons of people everywhere. You're supposed to have your own slot, and it basically turns into a big amorphous blob of publicists and talent and people shadily not wanting to make eye contact with each other. It's a hard, it's a hard thing. I hate eye contact. Yeah, eye contact is the worst. So here's it's a little bit of a, of a taste. Uh, I caught up with the uh, developers for Cuphead, who won, I think they won three or four game awards that night, including for Best Art Direction, well-deserved well by them. Well but here's a, here's a little taste of how bad I am at red carpets for everybody <laughs> out there. Not only are they war, but I'm making an amazing game that is so much different than like, every other game I've ever seen. <laughs> what was the inspiration for this, obviously, other than the old cartoons? How did you come up with this idea? I mean, back and forth between my brother and I, 
away with like what we want to do, how we can kind of do something that we love that stands out so that you wouldn't grow tired of working on a project. And I think a lot of people have had that same idea of like, what if a game looked like a cartoon? And when you kind of go through the steps of it, it's like really crazy the work it takes to do it. But once we saw it, we knew we had to stick with this, and it just looks so beautiful. And I'm glad to be a part of like keeping 2B alive. Yeah, and it's still even when we look at the game today, it's still as fresh and original to us, even though we've been so close to the project the entire time. That really speaks about uh, just our artistry of the game that you guys put together. Uh, you're nominated for a new fan award, is what I'm told. Yes, it's best debut indie game presented by Chic Hydro. Uh, so that must mean I mean the game obviously resonated with people, but now it's being recognized by an award show with just how much it resonated with fans. So is that an extra layer of uh, goodness? I can't think of a better word than. Oh yeah, no, it's amazing. It's amazing to have like a fan base and see all the stuff, like all the fan art, all the cosplay, all the like alternative stories and fan fiction. It's just it's so amazing to have a large community supporting. And on top of that, the game awards and yes. being recognized for what we've built is just it's amazing. It was a long-awaited game, uh, and fans were hotly anticipating this it was, game. It was never delayed once. No. <laughs> uh, does that put added pressure on you to release it out in the world when people are so excited to play your game? Or are you just trying not to think about that? Not at all. I didn't think we thought about that once. <laughs> we just, we always knew we wanted to make a game that we all loved instead of rushing something out because it's right for the market. And I think, like, at the end of the day, too, when you have got so much invested in it personally, you're, you want to maintain your vision and what, you know, what you want, wanted the game to be rather than be influenced by a timeline or anything like that. So, there's a lot of stake. <laughs> Can you talk about the difficulty in the game? Because that's been a, a, not an issue, but something that people talk about. <laughs> yeah, the difficulty is sort of like... We balanced it to what we were used to in the 80s, like what we grew up playing. So we wanted something that sort of matched that with like a modern twist. Like still having infinite lives and infinite continues sort of in saving your progression sort of nullifies some of the, what the challenge was in the 80s. Like, I mean, I've spent a lifetime trying to beat certain games, like a battle codes. I mean, I, oh, I'm so close. But yeah, we thought it would be fair and a fun thing to bring back too. Like, for new generations to kind of see where things used to be, and the contrast between, like, this bright cartoon style with this challenging game, uh, I don't know, it just seemed that, boy, we, we stuck with it because we knew we wanted to make a game that we wanted to play. So it, we didn't set out to make a hard game, we set out to make a game that we loved, and a byproduct of that is that it's difficult. All right, so other than my stupid rambling laughs, uh, I thought it was a pretty good, uh, informative interview and what they said. I like that they talked about the difficulty of the game and uh, sort of made fun of themselves a little bit with how long it had been delayed. Uh, and, you know, it's hard when you have a game that so many people have been waiting for, and then for it to come out and be a big success the way it was is pretty cool. Uh, so I was happy to see that for them because I do think that they made a really good game. Uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> I, I played Cuphead. I put, probably put, like, a couple hours into it. They beat, like... The competition they beat was, I think they beat Senua's Sacrifice, mm -hmm. they beat uh, Night in the Woods, and they also beat Pyre, both games, and what remains of Edith Finch, all games that are excellent. So I think it's well-deserved. <laughs> it's just hard because it's it's so hard. The game is so hard, so it's hard for me to like make a judgment on it because I haven't 
been able to play that much of it because I can't get, you know what I mean? I can't mm. get past a certain point of it. So it's hard for me to make judgments off games if I've only seen like the first, what, five or six hours of it. But what I played of it, it was absolutely fantastic and it looks like something I've never seen before. So hats off to them. Yeah, I mean, I w- it definitely, uh, you know, just hearing that interview, um, hearing some or seeing some of the footage from the award show, and I've been following the production of it. I mean, the game they started development in uh, 2010, and it's really you can tell they're really passionate about their game. Um, honestly, my interest in Cuphead is probably uh, really, really spiked in the last few days because of this. Um, I'm not really good at sticking with challenging games like uh, you know, uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Uh, those are games that I've enjoyed, but they're really difficult, and it's hard for me to keep playing over and over again a similar spot. But it's really cool to just see how well this team tweaked the game over time. They kept changing it. I heard early builds of it were a little rough, obviously, because I think it's really advanced stuff they were working on with the shading, with the 1930s styles cartooning. Um, so I think I'm for sure going to pick this up now. Um, I think I just, just it played out for a little bit, and it's a game under $20. So I think it's definitely worth the purchase, and I'm excited to check it out real soon. Well, it was a big night for them. Uh, they were up there quite a, quite a couple times. Uh, it's a smaller, it's an indie game. It's not just an indie game, but it's not a, a full-price full-length game, so it's cool a to see. seven-year-long <laughs> Right? That was supposed to be, like, this big savior for Xbox, but whatever. I mean, they had an exclusive, and I guess it was a hit, so. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, right? Cuphead was supposed to bring... It was supposed to be a console seller. There's just no way, especially for a game that that's hard. I think... Uh, I never want to... You can't detract from somebody for making a difficult game. Games should be allowed to be difficult. But it's hard to be a console seller if people can't beat your game. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's a real but, but thing. It, it, you know, but it's one of those 2D, and I love what they said, they want to keep 2D alive, because it's, it's it's important that we keep these style of games, right? These 2D right. platformers. Especially, it's nice to see that they're challenging again, because so long, 2D platformers were just so easy to blow through in like 5 to 10 hours, but now it's, it's nice to see such a challenging game, so... Hopefully yes. their next game won't take 12 years to develop. <laughs> yeah, that's my hope. I'm really excited to see what they do in the future, and I, I hope they're able to to keep making ambitious games but also stick to the kind of smaller studio style just for the fact that seven years of development, that's not going to happen if an EA bought out this uh, team. So I really am interested to see how this plays out in the future for Future House because they definitely have a lot of buzz and they, they mm-hmm. did something really, really different. Absolutely. Uh, let's change tax just a little bit, if everybody's okay with that, to something that completely blew my mind out of my skull. What in the world is Death Stranding? What is it? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't understand. Is it a video game? Is it a reflection of our own future? Our bleak, dystopian Armageddon future? Dude, I don't know. I'm watching this thing, and my mouth is open, by the way. I'm... Blown, I'm blown back by it, but I'm, I'm keep watching it like this 20 minute trailer. Like, all right, we're gonna get some gameplay. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna get here. It comes, here comes the gameplay. Oh, there's a baby in the throat. Here comes some gameplay. Oh <laughs> uh, no, nothing. 20 minutes of nothing. So I, is this a good marketing scheme? Everybody was talking about it, so obviously yes. But I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what this game. 
It, it, honestly, it makes me think that this game is a long ways from, from going gold and us being able to play it uh, in a full version, just for the fact that they can show some beautiful CGI like cinematics, but mm. to throw that together compared to throwing together footage of actual fluid gameplay, uh, it's a lot easier to do the CGI movie compared to the actual gameplay. So I, I have no idea what this is. It, it makes me babies. I don't. I don't know. It makes me wonder if this game has even started development. I wonder if he's just putting triggers together and p- putting them out there because Hideo, Hideo is like out there in Hollywood tr- really trying to get a movie made. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he's got a movie he's, made. He's got a Jordan. Oh, he is. Yeah, Jordan Bolt Roberts is making the Metal Gear movie. Oh, well, I did not know that. Well, now okay. you do. Maybe you should read my articles, Edmund. I'm sorry, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it really just seems like they're putting bullet in front of us is to distract us from the fact that he doesn't have a game under development, but I could be completely wrong. My I should release, like, in two months. Three months. <laughs> yeah, right. Take that, Edmund. Uh, <laughs> my major takeaway, if I can't play that baby in the throat, then the game is not worth buying to me. That needs to be a playable character. The whole yeah, game should take like place inside of Norman Reedus. Yeah, what if, what if, yeah it's like you're, you're spinning the uh, the left stick in circles as, as you try to get the baby out of, the, out of wherever the hell it is at that point. <laughs> baby in the throat, dude. Baby in the throat. Death Stranding is just a working title. The actual title is Baby Inside of Norman Reedus. Those Get me out of Norman Reedus! Looked great, though. The, like, Invisible Shadow Monster. Oh, my God. Let me see more of that. That looked amazing. And I was all for that trailer up until the point where it was just, like, an acid trip. It was the most stunning trailer I've ever seen in my life. It is Norman Reedus. It is astonishing how much it looked like him. Let me let me walk you through my night that night and how weird this was for me. <laughs> right before I went into the awards, I went to go to the bathroom in the smallest bathroom on God's green earth. And I was in there alone, and some dude comes in and was standing right next to me. And, like, that awkward moment when you're in a bathroom with another dude, where it's, like, a little bit too small. So I turned to, like, kind of say something about how small the bathroom is. And it's Norman Reedus standing right there next to me, who also comments on how small the bathroom is. And I was like, what a bizarre moment. Then I walk out, and about 20 minutes later, I see a baby inside of his throat. So that was a weird night. How do you think he feels? Is like an actor, he's been involved with, you know, The Walking Dead, Boondock Saints, some really big, well-known mm. projects. This is a huge project, but I gotta wonder, like, I, I know he knows more than we do, but he's gotta be, like, sitting back and watching the show and be like, what the heck is it? Like, what are people thinking right now? <laughs> I, th- I think I'd be excited. a lot of work behind it, and he knows where it's going. Right. So, unless, like, there's more work done than I think, and he's like, knows the end product, and, I mean, when, we've seen trailers like this from Hideo before with Metal Gear Solid, and he has turned out, like, some kind of cohesive projects after that. So it'd just be interesting to see where this is going. But when was this game announced? Two years, three years ago? I think, right? It's been a while, for sure. I, I think the first E3 trailer was when he was falling out with... Konami? Konami, yeah. he was, When he was, I think... So I think it was like three to four years ago. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, if the, the visuals are any indication, I mean, the game, something like that to polish it to that degree is going to take some time, I guess, right? I wish, I wish, like you said, we see some uh, gameplay footage, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's Kojima. I've, I've played a lot of his games. I know he knows how to make games. So, Oh, he's really good at making games. And yeah. I, and, and, I, and I don't make games, so... And, like I said, this is a fantastic marketing strategy. Everybody was talking about this game after the trailers. They were talking about the F Oscars guy, and they were talking about this trailer. So, hats off. I mean, he did a great job. I was 
kept me captivated from start to finish, but I'm just like, what the hell? Yeah, you got to sit back and just kind of wait, and you know, it's it's. I'm interested, yes, but also I don't know what to think. I'm. I was always a casual. Uh, I was always a casual Metal Gear fan, so I was never super into it. So at this point, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna wait. Who knows? Is this a third person stealth game? Is this a first person? Like, I have no idea what to really expect. Craziness. It's got to be a third person type. I you would assume. I don't, I don't see him no. going away from his formula, but who would know? Who knows? Uh, no, there's no way. You're not going to get people like Mads Mikkelsen and Norman Reedus to not show their face as much as possible. Right, 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 right. Mads, I forgot Mads is in it, too. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, Mads Mikkelsen, Norman Reedus, Hideo Kojima. I mean, like, those people alone are enough for me to buy this game. I don't even care what yeah. it is. It could be... It could be a checkers simulator, and if it was me playing checkers against Norman Reedus, and every once in a while a baby pops out of his throat and gives me a thumbs up, I'll play that game. You have a very low threshold for video games, friend. <laughs> and when is the last time we've had a game with this like, level of big name stars attached to it? I can't even think like, of big one. name stars, where like you have a Oscar nominated I mean, director, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, they, I mean, they got Kit Harrington, they got, uh, well, now it's, it's, uh, I'm sure they're kind of wishing they wouldn't have, uh, casted Kevin Spacey, but he was in, uh, Advanced Warfare. <laughs> we got Josh Demel. Josh Demel, yeah, World Call of Duty World War II. Well, you normally get, like, one big star. You don't normally have, like, two big stars, and you certainly don't get a director from Hollywood. Right. So, I don't know, I'm excited. It's, it's up there on my list of games I'm excited about. Another one on that list, and I've I've spoken to these people before, so I've actually seen a little bit, is uh, God of War 4, which is just called God of War. It's a, bit, a little bit confusing. It's not actually God of War 4, even though it is. Uh, and they showed, they made an announcement about that at PSX. Um, I'm not sure if one of you guys want to give that announcement, or maybe I can give it, or we can like tag team it and try and do it in like a harmony, where like I'll go low, and Colin obviously would go high, because he has an angelic voice. Very angelic. Oh, this is sweet. <laughs> Aw. We just need to get one more for a barbershop quartet. I know, we're, we're this close. I've been growing a mustache. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, let's Ooh. get back. <laughs> I, I'll make the announcement, fine. The The game, which is a single-player playthrough, is going to be 25 to 30 hours long in length, which apparently... 35 now, to 40. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, 35 to 40. That's an and announcement nowadays. Fan. That's a long time, dude. I for guess, a dude. Like, every Final Fantasy I've ever played is that long. Well, God of War games are usually, like, ten hours long. Not if you're as bad at them as I am. So they are, like... I don't know, man. They're... I'm excited for this game. At first, I was kind of like, oh, God of War. All the other God of Wars, I was just like, whatever. They're the same thing. You're matching X over... Or square over and over again. Making... Get some combos. Or whatever games to me. But now that it's... It seems like it's an open-world game. It's 40 hours. North... Norse mythology. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued for this game. I do not... Yeah, it looks... Sorry, it's just Eddie's Eddie's dismissal of God of War angers me deeply. I'd rather play like a not God of War. Oh, Sorry. Like, wow. I'm trying to think of another button mashing action side scrolling game and I can't No, you got it. That analysis just, was so deep and thoughtful. Those games are just not entertaining to me. Oh my god. Like the God of Wars, the Bayonettas, the it it's it just uh, I just uh, She's hit square X triangle, square X triangle, square X triangle over and over and over again. Colin, can I, can I make a can I make a confession to you? Please do. I have never played any of the God of Wars. How is that possible? I was late to PlayStation Three, so I think it was on that, and I decided I I like in GameStop one day. I remember sitting there. I was looking at the pre-owned section, 
And I made a decision. I was like, either I'm going God of War or I'm going Uncharted. And I'm going to start it from the beginning, and I chose Uncharted. Well, choice. Yeah, I mean, Uncharted is Uncharted. Yeah, so, I mean, but I've heard good things. I, I'm really, my interest is really, uh, is heavy in this. I think that it's a little more mature God of War game. That's Absolutely. what's drawn me into this. Uh, like, what I, do you mean mature? They've always been, like... Not not like no, no, not the gore. And, like bloody, but like his the dynamic of him and his son. Um, yeah, I think a lot will be going on. Uh, that that dynamic is like key to the game too. You know, it's not it's not an escort mission. It's not um, like a flippant thing. Like it, it's going to be very much story driven from what I've seen and what I've heard. And uh, I think mature is the right word to use. Like what you said, it it seems to be. It's not just a hack and slash and like gore and like ripping monsters apart. This one is more delving into the character. And he's an interesting character. Kratos, Kratos is cool because he's not just a dumb brute. He has an interesting backstory. Yeah, and, and I think that's what they're really diving into. It's like more of his psyche, what makes him. The, and this is me, like I said, as someone who has not played 1 through 3, but from an outsider's perspective, I mean, I kind of see it as it seems like it was a very just revenge and I'm just going to kill everything in my path because I'm angry because of my past. Which is cool, but I'm more interested in, okay, what is that past? Like, what got him to that point? And I think it is going to be, uh, yeah, more mature, but at the same time, I'm really excited to sit there and have ridiculous battles and ripping apart beasts and stuff. That Don't get me wrong. Like, I, mean, I am excited about that portion as well, too. Wouldn't it be interesting to see, like, a God of War branch out? And I don't want to see a God of War every year, but wouldn't it be interesting to see if it branched off into, like, an Assassin's Creed-type territory where, like, you see this when he's in North mythology... And then maybe he moves over to, like, Africa, and then the next one is basically deep in, like, Africa folklore. Then maybe he ends up in Egypt somewhere, and then you're up in, like, the Egyptian gods and stuff like that. I'd be interesting to see if that's where this story goes, because it sounds like he moved out of Greece, Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. It seems like the gods were just over Greece himself now that he's in more of a... Uh, where, where He's more of an area where Norse gods take control. So I kind of like that, in a way. So it's kind of be interesting to see if this world is going to be expanded upon Man, that's with this new game. Yeah, I never even thought about that. That's a great idea. Uh, you know, not to the point that they just pump these things out, but it is cool to think about a game series that delves into all the mythology of different places around the world. That's really cool to me. I, I love mythology. I always have ever since I was a little kid, particularly Greek mythology. This may be why I love God of War so much. Yeah, so that would be really cool. Every country has really interesting mythology, so it would be neat to be able to delve into a whole bunch of different ones. The right. way to expose us to different cultures. No, no, like no, no, I agree. Assassin's Creed, like the way they bring in like the different cultures that you may not really been exposed to, and they really they kind of lie in some areas, but still, it's still the exposure, right, to get you interested. And you don't know what that turns into. It might cause you to go out to the history, or the Barnes & Noble and buy a history book to read up on it. So you, you never know, you never know. Yeah, and I feel like video games as a whole are starting to get a little less, like, tone-deaf when it comes to other cultures, like Assassin's Creed Origins. I feel like that has been, in my experience of getting about, like, 10 or 12 hours in, they do a really good job of showing the ancient, like, uh, Egyptian cultures, how other cultures are kind of blending in and taking over um, when it came to, like, the uh, Greeks and Roman influence. And I think it's cool not just seeing a kind of, like, they, what they would have done in the early Ubisoft or the early Assassin's Creed day, I feel like they would have went for a more like wider main character when that wouldn't have been historically really correct. And so I'd be really interested to see if they did like an ancient like Chinese uh, mythology mm, game yeah. with like God of War. I feel like there's other uh, cultures where it would be really cool. So I think that's an awesome call. I've never thought of that. It'd be something cool to explore. I mean. Uh... 
don't know. It, it, I think that's a great idea, and I think that's what... Uh, who knows what their end goal is, but I think that would be something to, like, set your sights on as you're going forward. Other things from PSX. PSX was weird to me. A, I'm going to be completely honest, I, I had not heard of PSX before this year. Um, and I actually, I was supposed to go, and I didn't because I've had a busy week and I'm a terrible person. Uh, <laughs> but is this something where there's generally large announcements from? There's so many conferences now, it's like, what's left to, to unveil? Usually in the past, um, PlayStation, the PSX PlayStation experience has been really good about revealing like new hardware, new exclusive titles. This year, is, I think because it was directly after the awards, it was really light on the reveals. I don't think anything really got revealed except for God of War being like 40 hours. I think we talked a little bit about Detroit being human. But other than that, it was very—it was more of a like a panel. They got a bunch of developers from the different major companies in Sony, and they just basically talked about how it is to be in the game industry. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was a whole ton of crazy large announcements, in my opinion. Um, there maybe there's is, it was cool seeing some smaller kind of it seems like digital games that were announced. But at the same time, when you have uh, the Game Awards going on, when it was in a concise like two-hour window or three-hour window where you could get several game trailers shown, you could get some awards in, I feel like that was just a more effective use of my, my time personally. So it was harder for me to get as invested to PSX. And yeah, it seems like it was more panel-based. I know Greg Miller was running like from Kind of Funny, was running a couple uh, panels uh, to start and one, uh, I think it was yesterday as well. So it seemed like there wasn't a ton of announcements and it was more of like fan service of just like, hey, let's talk to some people involved with PlayStation and uh, and get a little bit like more of an insider view on like who runs the uh, larger parts of Sony PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's more of a... Um it seemed like more of like an industry heavy event as opposed to like a consumer heavy event. It's yeah. It's not precisely for the fans. It's also for like the people who are more tech savvy and into the that side of video games. Yeah, it seemed like it. It it's it just light. It was light. That's all yeah. it was. It just seemed like it was light. There's only well, so many reveals that you can. There's only so many reveals per one year, and if you have to spread it around Gamescom and G and E3 and the video game eighteen war, packs. Yeah, oh, it's just it's madness. It, there's too many. There's too many. Oh, and also at the same time now we're seeing an industry shift where you have uh, like. Um Game developers now are actually taking matters into their own hands and doing their own preview shows where they don't even go to E3 or maybe they have a booth there, but their focus is actually on having their own show where they can be in control of like how the message is sent out to gamers. Right. So we also see that shift as well happening. That's true. And Disney has, what, five? It has one for Marvel, one for Star Wars, one for Pixar, one for this, the actual theme park. And I, I mean, like, it's just, and that's just within themselves. So. Yeah. Well, it's just getting out of hand. It's, it is. And they're like, well, what's going to happen again? This deal, this is why this deal looms over everything in entertainment. If Disney and Fox merge, then that's going to get even bigger. The Disney's going to own every single... Every property will be owned by Disney. Now, are they... Is it all of... Because I thought they were just going for specific, like, they're only going for X-Men, Fantastic Four. No. Well, we don't know. But they would buy, basically, the film studio of Fox, and Fox owns a whole bunch of different properties. The properties that they own happen to, they, they own um, X-Men and Fantastic Four. I mean, they yeah, own other stuff, too, but... 
Yeah, it's crazy. You even see that uh, that Fox is selling their uh, like a lot of the regional sports channels. Uh-huh. Uh, their FSN networks are being sent off to uh, ABC Disney uh, parent company, which it's it's a large scale uh, sale, and it's going to be insane to see the details on this and what the dollar amount is. Um, it's crazy. You almost have to like think now. It's like before we know it, we're going to only have like two or three large studios. Like, there's a borderline monopoly building up with these large studios. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, it's not... This is tangentially related to video games, but it is something that can have repercussions across a whole bunch of different places uh, in the entertainment sphere. And I think video games as well. Because you can see if, if, if these places get big enough, and if this is something that goes through, then it might send a signal to other big media companies to do the same. And I think you could see that in video games. I think EA, EA already yeah. does a lot of this stuff. They buy up a whole bunch of things like this. Yeah, and you're, like you said, EA starting to do it. We see them buy up Respawn. We see them shut down a lot of their smaller companies to make room for these companies that have games that are performing well. Right. So you can actually see, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's already leaking over to the video game industry. Crazy time to be alive, man. Yeah, if you want to see loot boxes in all your games, hey, here we go. We're already heading down that road. You, I would... Dad, if I was you, I would just throw this out there. Um, I would go invest in some Red Bull and uh, pretty much every energy drink, because before you know it, you're going to have a new video game conference uh, day to go to. Uh, okay, so we talked a little bit about the Game Awards, but we didn't really talk about what our takeaways or disappointments were. Uh, what, were what were things that blew you away, and what were things that you kind of felt were lacking out of it? Let's start in the positive, I guess. Yeah, so um, I think what I was most excited about that is in number one in all the headlines when it came from the Game Awards is In the Valley of Gods. Thought the art style of that looked amazing, having kind of that early 1900s, ancient, um, exploring ancient Egypt, like uh, tombs and pyramids. It looked really cool. And I really enjoy uh, Campo Santo when they released Firewatch, really great narrative-driven game. So really excited to see how that develops um, and just the art style looks incredible. And for me, yeah. it was which fire looked dope. I don't know who that developer was, I, I guess it was the original creators behind the vanishing of Ethan Carter, which was a fantastic game within itself, but Witchfire looked something like absolutely fantastic, and I'm not even into those type of games. I think we need more solid games where I'm not killing zombies, where I'm <laughs> killing other monsters that aren't zombies. World War Z filled me with rage. We do not need any more goddamn zombie games, and I'm trying to... Th- I'm, watching world war z and i'm like are developers just sitting around like what do we need more we need more more zombie games or what but whatever which fire i'm excited to see which fire and then we have to talk about bayonetta 3 i'm not a big bayonetta fan but that's huge for nintendo and i i, I have to say nintendo had a great 2017 i really think nintendo's going to steal 2018 as well and that bayonetta reveal is just like the tip of the iceberg in my opinion for nintendo so we i'm very excited to see what they have wait so are you excited to play it then bayonetta yeah yeah i'm gonna try it i think i think i was hesitant to play it on and like i bashed those 2d tile button button mashing action games but i think for the switch it makes sense and the fact that i can pick it up and walk around with it in my handheld i i think i'll finally play a bayonetta game i guess the uh, i don't really have any my positive was death stranding like I said, because I... That's your positive? Yeah, actually, I was really excited for that. I thought it, it blew me away. You're such a weird dude. You're just a weird person. Dude, it's like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It reminded me of, like, watching a Kubrick film, but with Norman Reedus and a baby in his throat. I, I just can't get over that baby, man. It haunts my soul. Uh, something that I didn't really care about and didn't really move the needle at all for me was Soul Calibur, which is funny because I grew up playing Soul Calibur. It was probably, like, the fighting game that I played was Soul Calibur. 
And it just... I don't care. Was that because it's another fighting game and we've seen so many fighting games this year? How yeah. often have we talked about fighting games on this podcast? Like, it's insane. Right. It's, po- it's all the time, fighting games. So do you think if there wasn't such a resurgence of fighting games within the last good fighting games, would you have been excited for Soul Calibur? Maybe a little bit more, for sure. But, uh, I mean, fighting games aren't, like, my cup of tea to begin with. But I probably would have cared a little bit more if it wasn't already so many fighting games. And the one that I am excited about, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, uh, like, I can only get excited about one fighting game. I can't get excited about two fighting games. But I think Soul Calibur is Soul Calibur, right? It's so different. It's like a Tekken. It's so different than these other fighting, like Injustice and it. I played Dragon Ball Z Fighters. I didn't like it at all. It was just too Street Fighter-y for me. Like, Soul Calibur was something new, something heavy, something that you had to put some, like, thought into. It wasn't just button mashing, you know what I mean? So, uh, but what does that me, mean? I was excited to see that return. Sure, okay, that's cool, and that's you. But what does that mean to me? I All I do is smash buttons when I play a fighting game. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there with a notebook and, like, figure out all the moves for each character. I'm not trying to take on, like, some tournament between a bunch of Swedish guys to try and take them down. Like, I suck at fighting games. All I want to do is smash some buttons and watch some pretty colors. That's exactly how I treat fighting games as well. I mean, I love Injustice 2, but I also, it's cool just like where I'm like, oh, I can pay a couple bucks, plays Hellboy now, and, and he's an awesome character to fight as in that game. But I can't get excited about Soul Calibur um, that much just for the fact that I think I stick with Injustice because those are characters I actually know I've already invested time into. Mm-hmm. When I see these two characters fight, I'm like, oh, cool, they have swords, but <laughs> I don't know who these people are. I'm, I'm a casual fighting fan when it comes to that. Right. Well, that's why that's why Dragon Ball Fighter Z is so exciting for me because I know everybody in Dragon Ball, and it's like even if I'm not good at the game, I still want to be able to be Kid Buu and punch Beerus in the face. Okay, I, I get that, I get that. But go watch the gameplay trailer. I, PSX released like a ten minute gameplay trailer, so mm-hmm. Calibur, and then come back to me next week and tell me say it's the same thing. All right, it's it's just fundamentally different than any of the other fighting games that came out in these last two years. And this is coming from a person that wasn't a big fan of Soul Calibur. Like, I just, I don't know. It's something that is needed. It's so different that I think we need it. So we'll see. Hmm. Um, One thing I will say before we go that I haven't touched on, and this wasn't really from the Game Awards, but a game that I've been following I'm very excited about is Monster Hunter World. And I'm... Mm. I don't know what you guys feel about that game, but I'm really, really, really excited about that game. I've liked the franchise for a long time. I think they're just bizarre, like, awesome games that do a whole bunch of cool stuff with creature design. And everything I see of it makes me a little bit more excited about it. What do you guys feel? I got my hands on the demo this weekend. Ooh. I put a couple hours into it on nice. yesterday, and I absolutely loved it. I'm a big Monster Hunter fan, so I am, I am biased. I did play... Um, the last two titles that came out on the 3DS and this game was it's huge, it's beautiful it's engaging, I saw two monsters like completely go at each other it's, it's I don't, I love it I can't wait for the release, I think it's going to be something that we've never really seen before on a Playstation 4 console or Xbox One console so I, if anyone hasn't played the demo I want to really recommend you go pick that up and try to get some hours in today. Yeah, that's available this weekend, right? Yeah I'm going to have to try that out. Yeah, I actually, I've never played uh, Monster Hunter, but everything I've seen from this game, it, it looks incredible. It just visually, it looks really unique and really fun. The monsters look absolutely insane, and just the whole open world vibe and really kind of working your way up to fighting bigger and crazier things. It looks awesome, and it's kind of crazy. It's one of those games, I don't think everyone, it's on everyone's radar, 
but I usually never hear negativity be spoken about any Monster uh, Monster Hunter title. Yeah, it's not like a it's not like a blockbuster game, right? It's just sort of it's one of those like mid like it kind of an, it has indie cred, but like it will also sell like pretty well. I think it's bigger in Japan than it is here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's heavy. It's a heavy game. There's a lot of systems to learn. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like grown up Pokemon. Very grown up Pokemon. That's a very good description of it. Where you have to like take out these monsters. You have to collect scraps from them in order to upgrade your gear. It's he- it, and you know it feels kind of. You can't just. It takes a while for your moves to execute. I mean, you hit square, and it doesn't actually hit the monster right away. You have to really think about when you're timing your attacks, which is very interesting. Similar to like a uh, Bloodborne, Demon Souls type game, but it's still lighter than that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive, too, about how the Monster Hunter team, they've been able to develop games on, like, PlayStation, PSP, so they they also have done Wii, 3DS, now they're doing the uh, all the major consoles right now. It's pretty impressive they've been able to make such a successful game on handheld and console, and it, what I'm seeing here is that they've actually, there's been um, 36 titles across the board for Monster Hunter, and they've sold over 40 million units. Like, that's insane. Yeah, that is insane. And for them to keep it fresh after all these years, and for them to still keep coming out. And this is our first, like, next-gen release for this game. Right. Which is insane to me. What's cool about Monster Hunter in general with next-gen is that, like, no game is better equipped for, like, next-gen graphics and stuff than Monster Hunter. Any of these games where, like, you're in weird environments with a whole bunch of cool monsters, like, that's what I want my 4K... I don't have a 4K TV. But if I had a 4K TV, like, that's what I would want on it. Absolutely, and it looks beautiful. Like I said, it looks beautiful. And from the three worlds that I'm not worlds, but the three missions that I've done, the worlds look drastically different. Mm. So you're in like a foresty area, you're in a desert area. I haven't beat the third one, but it's very, very different, and it looks good. And these monsters are huge, 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 menacing monsters that look like they can eat you in one breath. So just pick it up, even if. But just know that there's a lot of it's a J, it's a Japanese game, so there's a lot of systems behind this game, and it can be overwhelming at times. It's a deep dive. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real excited for it, and I, I didn't even know, honestly, I thought this was coming out on Switch as well, and just seeing that it's not, is one, I love my Switch, but two, this seems like the type of game I want to play on, you know, play for Xbox and get the most hyped-up graphics I can get when it comes to a console. So I'm, I'm excited for it. So I think this week we should touch on questions that, our viewers leave to us because I think it's very disrespectful for viewers to leave questions and to us to have to address them. So I think starting this week, if we ever get questions, one of us should do something in order to address the questions. So one good question we got this week from, should we say the name? I don't know if we should say the name. Sure. I think we should say the first name. Yeah. From Craig. Thank you, Craig, for listening. Thank you for leaving this question. So Craig asks, based on our conversation last week about the changing, the way the game industry is changing to more pay-to-play, loot boxes, gambling, all that. So he basically asked, so who's to blame for pre-ordering and loot boxes? Or do we blame the parents who give their kids credit cards, or do we play? Do we blame the adults who are apathetic towards pay-to-play? So who do, what do you guys think? Personally, I think it's it all comes down to adults. Whether it's an adult that has, like me, is like I'm the decision maker when I buy a video game and it's my money, um, I'm voting with my wallet, 
And on the other side, to kind of address what he said about kids with their parents' credit card, I would hope uh, parents are responsible enough where they're checking their bills and they're seeing that their kids are spending ridiculous amounts of money and put up blocks so their kids can't do that. I know not in a perfect world that always happens, but I think the onus always goes on adults. Agreed. Uh, I think we, we touched on this a little bit in a past episode when we played that clip from Jack Black. And um, the thing is, is that if, look, I'm not a parent, and I said this the last time I said this, so take whatever I say with that in mind. If I was going to give a game to my child, I would look at the game before I gave it to them. Uh, I don't want them to be playing things that I haven't looked at uh, before I give it to them. And this goes for small children. I guess once you become a teenager, I would trust you enough to make your own judgment calls. Uh, but for small children, I would make sure I know what the game is, and then I would sit down with the child if there were things like this, mechanics like this in the game that I was worried about, and try and talk my way through it with my child. That's, that's where I stand. At the same point, at the same time, I, I do have sympathy for these people, um, especially what if the... I don't know. Kids can get into things. You know, I'm not trying to be naive and think that they can't open it up and figure some stuff out on their own. I think kids nowadays know even more about technology than I probably do to begin with. Uh, so I do think that part of the, I think the, the major onus, like Colin said, falls on the parent themselves. But I do have a little bit of sympathy and I do think there should be some wiggle room in these situations. And see, for me, like, I hear what you're saying and I agree. I think kids putting up a large, a massive amount of money on a parent's credit card is a rare occurrence. I think parents, specifically in regards of money, do a very good job of monitoring their kids, if not else anything. So I think it's these whales that need to be blamed. These people that put in thousands and thousands of dollars to these games in order to dictate what they, basically they get to build their own world, right? So I think until we stop that, like people like me who put in a bunch of money into virtual currency in NBA 2K17, until we stop people like that, I don't think anything's going to change. I really, I really do believe these kids, like Jack Black, it's a very, very rare thing. I don't think we're seeing this on a grand scale. But these girls who spent like thousands of thousands of dollars on the Clash of Clans type game, I think that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and news outlets are going to pick up the story when it's the parent complaining because their kids somehow spent $5,000 in a game. Now, you're not going to see when you have that 1% of the game. They're not posting an article every time. And I'd, I'd assume some people are a little embarrassed, wouldn't want want that information yeah. out so you're going to hear about the parent side not the whales yeah that's certainly true uh, i yeah i agree 100 percent with you i don't think it's nearly as rampant as people try and make it out to be but i do think it, it does happen at least sometimes and it mm -hmm. might be underreported like colin said like, nothing is ever as cut and dry as it might seem but i disagree everything is black and white there are no gray areas anywhere <laughs> <laughs> good question thank you craig Thank you, Craig, and thank you anyone yeah, else great. who asked this question. Please, please do. Yeah, more questions. Yeah, awesome. And actually, what, what, would you, what would you guys say is the easiest avenue to send in a question? Uh, any, any place where you listen to us, uh, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on uh, email. Uh, if you're on Twitter, follow us there. You can follow each of us directly on Twitter uh, or just on our SoundCloud, where I feel like most of the people that listen to us listen to us at. Uh, any place that you drop a comment that is aimed at us, I promise you we will see it and find it and we will address it in our podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, as always, thank you very much for everyone who's listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe, share, uh, send to other people, yell it out of a rooftop as you're driving past people on the street. Instead of giving them the finger, just yell out our podcast name. Uh, no press is Brad Press, obviously. So uh, thank you very much to everybody. And uh, we've been having fun, and we hope you're having fun listening. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for your time. And uh, send me your questions via Mor- uh, Morse code. I'm the Morse code guy. So hit me up. <laughs> Eddie's, smoked. Eddie's got smoke signals. You've got Morse code. I'm carrier pigeon. For mail, I like an old-fashioned letter, so I make sure it's handwritten. Send me a telegram. I read it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Yeah. Fade away now. Fade away. Fade away.